0: What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, January 23rd, 2022, and this week's episode Bellator 273, Bader and Moldovsky look to unify title. We'll be talking about last night's event at UFC 270 and the heavyweight unifier, ironically between Francis Ngannou and Cyril Ghosn, the trilogy between Davison Figueiredo and Brandon Moreno, and we'll talk about the latest in MMA news, Amanda Nunes making moves, Kayla Harrison ironically not making moves, and of course a little trip into the metaverse, and we'll cap it off by previewing this coming Saturday's event, it is the first event for Bellator, and it features the heavyweight unifier between Ryan Bader and Valentin Moldovsky at Bellator 273. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double
1: G. You are back from beautiful city of Anaheim, the land of the home of Disneyland. Uh, did you see any celebrities last night? Because they showed a lot of them on TV. Mark Wahlberg, Mario Lopez.
0: Well, i you know like navigating to and from and where i did not get to pass by mr Wahlberg. i did not get to pass by captain marvel brie larson oh, she I did was not... there too she yeah. was and i love marvel so i would have totally just flipped but it was not meant to be i did not see mario lopez or nate diaz so unfortunately not but i felt the vibe i felt the love <laughs> in the land of the mickey mouse
1: yeah did you think it was weird awkward that they sat just engage you right in front of tony ferguson
0: was that like uh you know okay i'm not gonna lie I, um i think that uh, i was uh we were either scrumming or i like went to the bathroom or something when that particular uh show up happen yeah. i mean they're so chill i mean i don't think that gaichi was there like hey you remember that time i really took it i gave you the business for 20 minutes <laughs> no nah, it, it wasn't fine it didn't feel like ooh, can you believe they nah it wasn't so bad you know i think well, tony, i think tony feels awkwardly about more people before he's awkward about justin you know what i mean probably you know? true um, very, very eventful. Um, and I, I think this is a, what's a good way to put it. I feel like almost the reaction to the main event is the the whole week has just been very unique. There's so many storylines, and it almost felt like the actual fight itself. It it was like nothing could ever answer all the things we needed answered. So um, let, I want to break down the fight and then obviously we'll talk about post-fight because they're, that this is a very crazy one in my opinion. But the actual fight itself. Francis Ngannou, undisputed champ, Cyril Gahn, interim holder, undefeated, former teammates, same coach for a long time. Um, there, just so much going into it. And in those first 10 minutes, Ghosn just seems to have... Kind of like that special recipe, right? Move, uh, kicks, sidekick, get in and out. Every time he was in the proverbial pocket where Francis Ngannou gets people, ducks the head down, arms are over. Just th- that little space of, you know, the temple and the chin available for Francis to remove you from the land of the living for a couple minutes just really was very small. And I think that that was a very well-executed game plan for Gon. Did a lot of the right things in those first 10 minutes. Not beautiful execution like he did to Derek Lewis. But look, considering what he was up against, I thought he did a great job. And then in those last 15, Francis isn't moving as fast. It looks like this one might start to get away from him. And my word, Natalie, he turned into Francis Nurmagomedov, didn't he? (laughs) I mean, obviously, that huge one catches the kick and just... It was a... I don't know if he meant to slam him or it's just the size of those two men. But obviously, he catches the kick in that big takedown. And really, I, I got to say this. When you think about Francis Ngannou and you know... You have a probably rough idea of what you think his acumen is. And also his physical energy and everything else. Um... I think that he actually did a great job. Don't need a grapple. You don't need to go out there and do anything beautiful. Just position and just stay on top of him. Kill the clock. Stay active. And I thought for the most part he did that. And those last 15 minutes, you know, gone. Couple submission attempts. He had the one knee bar, ankle lock that looked like it might be close. But in the end, he isn't able to get it done. And really, the... Main drama for me came in that fifth round. Can Francis get one more takedown and steal that fifth one? And he did, and you see Gon kind of just look up, and I think he was shocked, like, You gotta be kidding me that this guy, like, pulled this out of the hat, you know? And to me, that was the big thing. Francis and who went out there with a secret weapon, and he used it, and that made all the difference. Just a very. I know we would have loved to probably see him do what he does, but absolutely beautiful performance objectively.
1: Yeah, I mean, it didn't look so good, as you pointed out, in the first two rounds. And Ganu, first of all, he comes out with those knee sleeves, and so everyone's like, okay, what's going on there? doesn't look good. You hear the commentators saying, oh, you know, we've heard rumors, but they stop short of saying what they've heard. Okay, getting a little nervous because you've never seen Francis and Ganu with those knee uh, sleeves on, those compression sleeves. And he's just not moving. Now, look, he's not the most fluid guy on earth, but he's improved a lot. And he does actually move fine, pretty good for his size. And it suits him. It does him just fine with, the, you know, what he needs to do. He can, he can knock people out just fine. But he's moving slow. He's a little stiff at the beginning even. You see, he's got blood in his mouth early on in the first round. His mouth is open. I'm getting nervous here. Round two, more of the same from gone. Yeah, and then surprise of a lifetime you know, you got DC and Rogan just cracking up. Can't believe what they just saw—the body slam, then the double leg in the next round. I mean, it's blowing everybody's minds. But what a what a great strategy! Now, I don't know. You know, in the in the corner of Ngana you can hear Dewey Cooper telling him what to do with the striking and stuff. But I don't remember hearing anything about the ground stuff. You know, take him down, and so I might have missed it. But it it kind of, to me, just seemed like Ngannou was like, "Uh, this is the only way I can win, so here we go. I'm bigger, I'm stronger, and I know enough. And lo and behold, it worked. I mean, by the end of the fifth round, he had his arms in the air. It was uh, a good challenge, a good test for him. He proved himself like, hey, guess what, everybody? Like, okay, he's not Daniel Cormier, he's not Khabib, but now you got something else to worry about when you fight Francis Ngannou, something that nobody knew. And not only that, he did it with the torn MCL, according to his post-fight interview. So, I mean, he really did show himself uh, as a you know more of a champion than we knew him to be. It was a great uh, a great moment for him, I think. You know, Cyril Ghan will be back. He's super talented. But Francis Ngannou, uh, I think he he, he look, he's not gonna be highlight reels all weekend into into the week. But there still is a story to tell, which is. Holy smokes, And who can wrestle.
0: No, absolutely. I think it was a beautiful performance. I think when you consider what he had to overcome stylistically, mentally, I mean everything. You know, he was fighting three fights. He had to fight Cyril Gan. He had to fight all the emotions and just the drama with uh, Fernand Lopez, the former coach. And then he had to fight the UFC a little bit, it felt like. And, you know, I think... Let's transition to that awkward part of it, Francis. You know, I, I I think that there was no drama. I think for sure, when you break it down, he did enough to get those three last three rounds convincingly, and then, uh, you know, and still gets announced by Bruce Buffer, and Dana White is not the one to put the belt on him; it's Mick Maynard. and that was very telling. We get backstage. We kind of hey, what's going on? And Dana White does not talk to the media following the event. And that becomes like, <clears> hmm. <throat> and now, so it leads to this. And I think that uh, there's almost like conflicting. It's it's kind of hard to nail down exactly what is going on, to my knowledge. But as I understand it, Francis Ngannou can... Be, it's almost like a there's a negotiating period. And it almost feels like there's a will will be the equivalent of a player option like you can you can be offered another fight but it's not technically part of your deal even though you'd be paid this and but essentially he is I believe a free agent right now like I don't think his contract necessarily is extended like he is obligated to fight another fight even though he is the champion so the way it works is technically speaking now he would I believe run the clock so they'll obviously negotiate try to get him fights right but essentially if they don't come to a deal even though he is the reigning champion he is the sitting champion eventually his contract can expire now here's the caveat to that natalie it does not happen anytime soon and when i mean anytime soon i don't mean oh well next year he'll be in but no 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 this could last a very very long time I'll give you a great example, George Saint Pierre. George Saint Pierre did not fight until, for one, he had fights on his contract. Two, he fought in 2017. As of last year, he was telling people, and he said it simply, the UFC was still able to void my attempts to go box Oscar De La Hoya. That was 2021, four years after his last fight. Doesn't matter that he said I'm retired. The contract, you know, period still runs. The clock is still running on the contract. In the end, Francis Ganu waiting this out. This isn't a one year thing. This could be a long time. However, what I will say simply is that it is easy to say that did not look good post fight Saturday that it seemed like, I don't know, it, it just it was very uncomfortable. I'll put it that way. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, yeah, it was it was odd, but I thought maybe, you know, Dana had somewhere to go. But the fact that he didn't do the the post-fight interview with you guys, I mean, do you think he just didn't want to have to deal with all the questions regarding Francis' future, as simple as that? Or, I mean, that's pretty much what it seems like, right? I mean, what?
0: we have to hear it from the horse's mouth, yeah, right? Yeah, right, uh, yeah. And I'm going to give that but, – but I'll say this, I mean – it could be anything. Um, yeah, it's not unheard of that Dana White has somewhere to be, and the media obligations is like, look, I'll talk to you guys all again soon enough. Blah blah blah, right? But I will say, is is certainly not. It, it, the optics of it certainly did not look good in terms of their relationship, if that makes sense. No. It does. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead.
1: Well, it just, it just seems like look, Francis Ganu is still like he's your heavyweight he proved to you that he's growing I don't know why look Dana White's always the one to say it's just business you know so I'm surprised that he would be reacting in a way that seems not business-like I'm not gonna say emotional but like just do your job put the belt around the guy like you don't have to talk to him you don't have to do small talk or anything you know and at the press conference like he only he only talks about what he wants to talk about. So he could literally just say, like, I'm not going to answer any questions about Francis. Okay, but then that gets turned into something, right? Like, that's a headline all of a sudden. And, and, and so I guess if he's looking 10 steps ahead, he realizes that just by showing up to the post-fight press conference, he's going to inevitably, even if he tries not to answer questions about it, say something that's going to turn get turned into something. And so maybe he'd rather just not have anything be put on the record. So, you know speculation city over here but that, that that's probably what happened
0: i guess it just feels like there's a lot of clues um dana has said several times over the years that while he doesn't have a personal issue with francis he does he has been very critical of uh how he believes he's been managed by his management team um i'm blinking on the gentleman's name i know espn spoke with him but um You know, and the guy addressed it and said, you know, like, this is what I'm trying to do. What's best for my athlete? And obviously Dana White and the UFC have a business. But Dana White has always been critical to say, like, Francis needs a new manager. He's said, I believe, as much quite bluntly. So it didn't look good, right? Now, let's talk about the future. Obviously, if Francis were to fight, there's... No shortage of options. I mean, obviously John Jones is out there. I will say, just because it seems like both of them now seem to have, uh, there's just questions, right? You know, can we get a deal done for John Jones to fight, and then can we get a deal done, you know, just to re-sign Francis Ngannou? That that, even though it's still the biggest fight I believe you can make in MMA right this minute. Feels like there's a lot of hurdles at the table for it to go through. Obviously, you could do a trilogy with Stipe Miosic. Um If Derek Lewis gets past Taito Iwasa in a few weeks, that's something. The Tyson Fury boxing option. And by the way, Tyson Fury's, I, I'm going to just say it right now. He's doing a masterclass and he knows exactly what he's doing. And Natalie, I got to say, and I know you brought up the comparison to Mr. Deontay Wilder i know it feels like they do the same exact things with different gloves i mean and ganu is nowhere near mr deontay wilder that to say that he it is the same fight i just i'm sorry but tyson fury knows the good deal he has if you know he he saw he's not stupid he saw mayweather mcgregor he knows how much money he could get for making light work of a guy who moves like Francis does. um, it, Don't get me wrong. Francis will walk home with a bag. Fans would love it. We would get everyone from Joe Rogan to Teddy Atlas telling us about how the power, what it could bring compared to the technique. Of, you, you get what I mean. He would secure the bag. And as you know, I am always for... If you have a chance to secure the bag, I repeat, secure the bag. But of course, I'm not saying that that would be this amazing heavyweight fight now. I'm going to just say that bluntly. And that's not to say Francis isn't an amazing uh, MMA heavyweight. But the fact is, they are two different sports for a reason. Anyway, all that being to say is that There's a lot to enjoy about Francis in 2022. But until we get honestly a more concrete idea of where they are at the table, I don't even feel comfortable saying who, what, and what is most likely. Because really, at this point, I don't think any of them feel very likely as of Sunday morning. What about you?
1: Well, look, Francis wants to stay I get the sense he wants to stay active now. He's got this knee injury, right? So that's going to delay anything, like, you know, everything on the UFC side and, you know, whatever he's imagining could be possible on the, on the boxing side. You know, the good thing is he's so darn muscular that, like, there's a lot of support there around the knee just from his muscles. So hopefully that will aid with the help and the recovery. Um, but as far as the boxing thing goes, like, He was pretty ballsy, and I think, well, I think Rogan asked him, but he was not shy about saying, like, "Hey, right in the middle of the octagon, I want to do boxing. I want to try it. Like, you know, I don't have a no one has a long career in 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 combat sports, and like, I'd like to have my shot. And that's fair. You know, I wish that the UFC fighters weren't just like trapped in these contracts, and especially when they're big successful names, and they can see just on the other side of that contract what money is." is open to them and they can't do it. And, and, you know, we talked last week. Yeah. Okay. Why doesn't the UFC, why doesn't Dana White want to let Francis and and fight Tyson Fury? Because then it, in all likelihood he will get, you know, embarrassed. Um, but, and then, and then it could devalue, you know, his star power as the UFC heavyweight champion. Okay. But, but still like UFC and Francis would make a ton of money. And, you know, UFC, like, help Francis, get him a a boxing coach, let him do his thing, right? Like, you got Stipe, you got Cyril, you got Derek Lewis, Ty Tuvasa's back at the top in the mix. John Jones is still lurking in the shadows on Twitter. Like, there's still plenty of stuff to do at heavyweight. Um, You know, this is, like, dream world where the UFC is willing to let one of their fighters, like, explore other options, you know, to help fulfill their life. Uh, But... I think it's worth I think I still think despite you know your feelings and our conversations about it I think it's still worth exploring um what I really really don't want is to see Francis Ngannou sidelined uh because that that would just be a shame for all to all fight fans like to have that man sidelined like come on let him fight let's figure something out
0: I agree completely and I think the only thing really um at this point is that I think that they feel like the timelines are just at the end of the day remember that while they do make a lot of money that every UFC event it goes entirely back to UFC pockets any crossover while yes yeah, so it, it does bring a lot of attention to the brand certainly that's all money that you split with another promotion right mm-hmm. whether it be i believe uh yeah furious with the top rank ESPN which you know should feel like it's easier but there's some
1: synergy there right
0: yes exactly Uh, but yeah i I mean that could be the only thing i think or you know they feel like they go through all this and then francis retires after winning it all right i mean he's been gone stipe ken velasquez jds jorzino i mean he's on a fantastic run of that's been very special so that's the only thing i could think um I mean, look, we could probably go back and forth on this. What do we think, when and where? But I think it's unfortunately going to be wait and see. But I agree with you completely. I I think that the worst thing would be that we're just indefinitely, where are we with Francis? You know, I I don't want us to get to June and Brett Okamoto is like, well, Dana, you know, we saw Francis was back in the gym where i i don't want us to be going through that you know i think that that would just feel like one of the parts we dislike the most is the business part of it i think and it feels like that's exactly where we might be headed and we don't want that Uh so um let's see we got we had an exciting and electrifying co-main event brandon moreno against davison figueredo uh just very bluntly the heart and the conditioning from both of these men um i was it as epic as number one? I think the fact that they've all been back-to-back-to-back kind of hurt that. But I think just the fact of uh, Moreno's resiliency and his durability and really just the um, patience from Figueiredo and the fact that he was able to get those knockdowns late. Uh, both of them took good shots. Both of them wore it well. I feel like Brandon... Uh, what got away from him at the end and I, I will admit it was a close fight i think that you could just as easily have given him I, I have to look at the scorecards but i'm assuming it was one of the first three rounds that uh the judges just gave to figueredo that got the decision but it feels like a, just a couple of punches in there in either of those rounds turned essentially is what dick would um led to the result it felt like all of those are very close rounds very winnable for Moreno, but I think that his respect and just he couldn't be there to absorb the power. And I think that led to him maybe being a little more passive, a little more defensive. And at the end of the day, Figueiredo got as many shots in as he needed to to win all those rounds and ultimately win the fight. But absolutely fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Um, What were your thoughts on the fight?
1: Well, I got a question first with you and and just based on your breakdown and folks in the media room, did anyone think Moreno had won that fight?
0: I'm not going to lie. I think we were aware. We've seen crazier decisions, right? Yeah. And so I I will say, I think many people were like, that was good, but that was Figueredo got enough of, got enough of it out of him. especially, you know, the, the first three, felt like, uh, you know, you felt like he had it, right? It was just easier to say that was a Figueredo fight than a Moreno. Um, a lot of people, I felt like they had it Figueroa, but everyone acknowledged this could easily go the other way, and we'll be breaking it down how many punches in those first three rounds. That's
1: crazy. Okay, so I was watching at home with my husband and my brother-in-law, and, and I, I, I later communicated with another fan, and all of us thought Brandon Moreno won four rounds to one. Really? <laughs> yeah so including was, those knockdowns yes because it was like okay a knockdown but like who was doing most who was putting who was in the center of the octagon who was pushing the pace the whole time so we were shocked and like super disappointed um but but it's that's why i was so curious to hear like what you thought and and all the other folks there with you because uh, we thought it was like a total robbery and it seemed like the folks in the crowd were booing but you know uh, who knows
0: to be expected
1: uh, yeah uh but yeah man totally shocked really really shocked so i feel like uh you know i i get now you know it was close fight but i almost feel like do i have to watch this again like was it was it so it was close but not that close is the sense i get
0: i think there's like a twitter like an mma decisions or something where they Mm -hmm. like poll a lot of people and a lot of like analysts and reporters submit to it i don't personally but i know a lot of big name people actually do give their picks. you know just for like for moments like these exactly yeah. um I, I will say figueredo just uh i was impressed with his uh gas tank i felt like his he maintained a great energy throughout 25 minutes which was obviously the big question right We he has the big weight cut the way he looked in that second fight um everything mentally from being a you know going against moreno and the crowd and The mental fact that he had to be the one to overcome a guy who really routed him in the rematch. So uh, I I was very impressed. I'm not going to say he went out there and was a carbon copy of Cejudo and Patricio Pitbull, for example. But I felt like you could see certainly a different mindset and an execution of his skills. Didn't look drastically different in what he was doing. Uh But I think just the decisions he made out there in the cage, I think you could very honestly see a legitimate difference i will give him that what about you
1: yeah he was it seemed like he was you know he really respected his coaches and you know the team in general but the folks who were in his corner and was really listening and if there was ever a moment where he got you know a little a little off off topic if you will like they were shouting the whole time be patient be patient all that stuff and like he respected it he listened to it he followed it and you know obviously it paid off
0: Yeah, and now obviously it raises the big question. I mean, Figueroa regains the title. Where the heck do I mean, people are like, are we going for number four right now? I okay, it's kind of like Max Holloway and Alex Volkanovsky. It doesn't matter who wins each time. They just are so perfect dance partners that you, you just it's like objectively you could watch it on TV every week and it'd be good, right? yeah but unfortunately sports don't work that way we you know it it needs like anything you need something new and different to sell you know there's a reason not everyone oh this this fight that fight we we're getting a trilogy there's a reason why a lot of that doesn't happen um in in this case what i will say is that i think that the ufc is in a great position because you have so many options I believe Pantoja is on the man, but they announced, I want to say it was in March. Uh, I'm forgetting the date off the top of my head, but Kaikara France and Askar Askarov are you know, easily uh-huh. two of the top contenders. They're fighting soon. feels like that would be next for Figueiredo. Brandon, I mean, look, you got Manel Cape from Ryzen, who's now hidden his stride. Uh, you could run it back Pantoja. Cody Garbrandt. Um, Brandon Royval, uh, uh, there's just options out there. You know what I mean? Uh, he's not without um. You know, I I am blanking on it because I know th- they just fought last week and uh, the guy who fought Brandon Royval, he he was also on a roll, I believe. Let me find him real quick. But my point, is... Rogerio Bonturi. No wait, oh. no 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 Brandon. Wait, yeah, Brandon won that one. Yes, that's what I thought. But um. Oh, my God, I'm sorry. It's been a lot of MMA and I got home late last night. (laughs) But anyway, uh, the fact is there's options out there for both of these guys. So I am ready to see them fight somebody else, maybe two people. But certainly I'll say this. If we're talking about another fight between them next year, I I can't tell you I'm not excited. I I would love it. I think it's great television every time they're on.
1: It's definitely great television. You know, they're both super exciting, super talented, just like gritty, hard fighting folks. And then they have their very distinct personalities on the mic. Um, I definitely don't want to see the fourth one next. You know, they've been fighting each other for like the last year and a half. Yep, and they need a break. Like mentally, you gotta have a break from your opponent. You know, you think about even Rose Namajunas when she beat Joanna the second time. She was like, "I'm just glad not to have to think about fighting her again." Because you know, I can imagine how all-consuming it is, especially the path that they're that this trilogy has gone. So of course we want to see it. Let's give it a little time to marinate. Let them refresh themselves alone, and then with new opponents, and then come back to us maybe at the end of next year. Or, sorry, the end of this year, 2022, or the... Yeah, I think that's fair. End of 2022. That's time, right? That's good enough time.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Let them fight one or two more people each. And honestly, the flyweight division is so hot right now. I mean, Kai, Askar Askarov, Manel Kate, Pantoja. I mean, uh, look, I know they talk about, oh, well, you know, this and that. I think if you know, you know, there's this is just a great time in the weight class. And, you know, you kind of wish it had happened, you know, for a lot of them right now. But in all honesty, I think it's a good time that they're just fine. They could fight other guys and just build up to that potential fourth one. And I think it'd be completely justified. I think that because of the weight class and how it's viewed and where it tends to fall on, even when it's on a major card, I think it'll be good. So, yeah, give them some time and we'll go from there. Like it. Good stuff on the undercard. Said Nurmagomedov, uh, submit Cody Stamen in the first round. That oh my was God, a, that was like blitz. Like I liked it. I was like, yeah, man, I I want. It was like a roller coaster. I want to do that one again. That was so much fun. Um, Michael Morales doing work. You know, young guy from Ecuador. He really mm-hmm. killed it. Um, on the Matt Frivola on the prelims. He like what was it four or five knockdowns believe, tied a UFC record, if not broke it. I mean, I believe that was Mike Beltran, and it was, you know, it was another one of those. Are we taking an Ivan Drago mentality? You know, if he dies, he dies. That was one. Uh, My girl, Vanessa Demopoulos gets her first UFC victory, comes back, almost knocked out, gets the arm bar, jumps in Joe Rogan's arms, does a split just for the cherry on top congratulations my friend
1: that was uh that was pretty cool and i gotta give uh, kudos to joe rogan for going along with it because you know somebody else could have been like oh no but he just went right with it didn't miss a beat and uh smile on his face the whole time so he's a cool dude um it's a good also, thing. It's a good uh, thing
0: she's small and Joe Rogan works out yeah, though. Yeah, Francis Ngannou, I mean. right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, imagine one of the big guys tried oh God, that. No, no.
1: Although oh, well, Francis Ngannou, I mean, his coach uh, is it Eric Nixick? He's yep. always picking him up. I'm like, damn, how strong are you, dude? <laughs>
0: hey, you gotta be strong enough to hold pads for Francis Ngannou. Dude, that's crazy. <laughs> uh,
1: the other ones guys I mentioned, which I thought was gonna get fight of the night, but we went to Moreno Figueiredo. Uh, Victor Hugo was that his name? Maybe uh, Victor Henry. Her- henry thank you victor yeah. henry victor hugo's a thing and author yeah. victor henry and barcelos that was a crazy fight dude. oh that, that was, was fun insane.
0: I, I really enjoyed that one that was another one fun to watch and underestimated guy making his ufc debut channeled the spirit of his coach josh barnett mm-hmm. good stuff oh my gosh i mean i think hey, Emma, I know last week was the warm-up we're still on vacation time MMA was back last night. I really liked it, you know? Yeah. And, of course, you know, it wouldn't be a fight week without some drama. So one of the revolving stories is Amanda Nunes reportedly has left American Top Team. She's looking to start her own team in Florida. Now, it's unclear exactly what's her relationship now with ATT. So, for example, Dan Lambert, the owner not only owns the gym but he actually manages a bunch of people most notably amanda nunes i i guess ariel hawani asked like hey are you still the manager he said essentially i cannot comment on that mm-hmm. which i feel like is commenting on that but okay yeah. i respect that this might be complicated right now secondly i guess uh, he did ask uh, i guess the buzz is that this was A long time coming, not to say that they had a bad relationship, but the idea of her doing her own thing wasn't exactly out of the blue that it's possibly been in the works for a while. Now, I will say this. Exactly what does this mean? I think that a lot of people are quick to, what's it called, kind of write their own narrative. It is completely possible that, similar to other people, she has her own facility, but if, when the time comes to do a six, eight-week camp, she's still in Miami, she's still in Florida, she could be working with all of the ATT crew and being a part of camp over there. It's not unheard of. Michael Chandler lives in Nashville. He travels to Florida to work at Sanford, Dustin Poirier, Louisiana. To Miami to work at ATT it's not unheard of that being said it's easy to say like hey you know like what does this mean when you just had your win streak snapped people talked about well are you kind of reaching the end of the road are you looking for the next chapter and this and that so it does raise some questions what are your thoughts
1: it uh it surprised me um because that's just been always been her home the Dan Lambert comment also made me think. Okay, it's not just um, you know I'm looking to start my own thing and you know and I'll be going back for camp like you talked about. I think it's going to be different because the fact that he just said no comment is very strange to me. Um, so what caused the decision? What what you know what led to the decision? I don't know, but I think back to whenever I see footage of. ATT on an embedded or a countdown it's always like jam-packed like that main room area with the mat it's always full of fighters and so like yeah you're Amanda Nunez, and you know I'm sure you get your private time but like there's a lot of big names there that need their private time and it's also a business that has to you know function with with clients to, to keep the business going so I could kind of imagine it just getting too crowded too noisy too busy and her wanting maybe a more chill environment, a more relaxed environment where the tension can just be on her. You know, that that works for a lot of people. Um, I'm trying to think who just did that, and I can't recall. But, I mean, Kamaru Usman, you know, yeah. when he goes to Trevor Whitman, like that's just a small shop, right, just three fighters. Yeah. Uh, Bisping and the Ruka, Jason Perillo, like that. that's the kind of environment. They keep that, it tighter. Yeah, and so my feeling really is that the chaos of, having a, a newborn like that's hard you're trying to train but you're kind of trying to be a parent and you lose your belt and this this chaotic seeming gym at least on these you know these, these the clips that I see you're thinking I need to change your pace man I need to tone it down I need to just focus on myself so I think it really is just personal for her but the comment from Dan Lavert makes me feel like maybe she, you know maybe there's some friction in a friction between them. Um but really I think it's just the gym's too big for her now.
0: Yeah, I I will say um I think that no matter what this does feel like someone who is looking at the big picture even if she still plans to fight uh you know several more times. Because for one, it's not you got to have a it's not just okay we have we got on Amazon. We got mats. We got a cage. We, you know, signed the lease on this warehouse. It's it, it's up to code. You know, you need coaches. You need a. There, there's a lot of little things in terms of a business that goes into running your own gym. Now, um, uh, are you thinking maybe the fight ready guys in Arizona? Cause now they're all working in a smaller group with Cejudo, like Davison, Wei Lee, John Jones, trying it out. What I will say about Amanda doing it is that I think that this is more of a sign that um even if she feels like, okay, I'm going to get some coaches, I'm going to bring some people and I have everything I need to run a camp. I think that you don't do something like this unless you are looking to like, hey, this is just going to be more my business because even if I fight just four or five more times, you. Think that's like two or three years, right? Depending on how active she stays. Okay, this is a long-term thing. You build it on the the name of, you know, the women's goat. Uh uh-huh. You know, right? Goat. Sorry. Um, I always mix. I always forget when I say it. Right? <laughs> if I say women. I could just say goat. I don't have uh, to say goat. Yeah. The goat. Just say women's yes. goat. <laughs> yes, there you go. But my point is that okay. At the end of the day, I don't think she has a bad relationship with the team. I think that, like you said, it's about that more individualized attention at this stage of her career. She's still a reigning champion at 145, and respectfully, she's paid her dues. Mm -hmm. She's She's been a good teammate. She's been a part of the gym. She's done a lot of those things when you're at a big camp like that, right? That maybe she feels like, hey, respectfully... I'm at a stage in my career where I can actually pay to make it about me for however much longer this lasts. And maybe that's just it. Brock Lesnar did it. Brock Lesnar essentially found a coach and just built, like, the whole thing just for them. And the second he left, the rest fell apart. (laughs) It's like, I know there's people who've done it. Why can't I think of them on the spot? But anyway, um... I will say this, what happens, what does this mean for the rematch with Juliana Pena? I don't know, but what I will say is if we thought it might happen in Brazil or anything anytime soon, I think this is going to be a 4th of July kind of deal. It's not happening anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not, it doesn't look like it's going to be, if I'm Juliana Pena, like, yeah, I want the rematch, but I also want to stay active, so... I'd try to get another fight somewhere else. Now, of course, it's a big risk, but... uh, I guess, as I say it out loud, it doesn't make sense, but... And Juliana said
0: she's not interested in Brazil, like... um, Yeah,
1: I wouldn't be either, screw that.
0: Yeah, like, uh, I call the shots now. Yeah, of course. Which, okay, is fair. Ironically, Amanda Nunes leaves American top team, and most people would say, oh my gosh, this just opened the door suddenly... One forty-five Kayla Harrison versus Amanda Nunez in the UFC. And we're hearing that it's all but done. Ariel Helwani reporting that Kayla Harrison is going to re-sign with the PFL. Now, as of this show, it, UFC could come out of left field and probably really up their deal. But what it's looking like is that UFC gave a great offer. At the end of the day, PFL, short of the brand power and the roster... They just had more dollars to offer up front to Kayla, is how I've read between the lines. Which makes sense. Which I I think at the end of the day, Kayla knows that you're probably making north of about a million and a half-ish. Maybe not two million a year with the tournament, but in that neighborhood, right? I don't know what UFC was offering. I don't know if they felt like, well, you know, you've... This many fights, I don't know exactly what they were thinking, but I'm assuming that at the end of the day, great, but it just wasn't the best offer. And a lot of the UFC value making up the difference would have been on Kayla's side, like, hey, you sell your fights and the deals you sign for yourself with your management as part of being a UFC fighter, that UFC exposure. And I think PFL just said, look, we've just got more dollars for your fights up front, which you know what? I'm going to just say it simply, I would have loved to see Kayla in UFC. I think that her personality and her skills and the way she markets herself with that exposure, I think it would have been a great time. Now, what's this mean for PFL? Obviously, I will say this. If the first pay-per-view isn't Harrison versus Julia Budd, I don't know what they're doing. But I'd assume she's a big part of their pay-per-view plans. She's a big part of the stuff moving forward. I don't know how long her new deal is going to be. But is there a possibility after one or two years we revisit the conversation? Yes. Could I see that happening? I'd be very shocked. But then again, how do deals in MMA work? It's not like uh, other sports. Oh, five years, this many millions. No, they tend to be by the number of fights or like a two-year deal. So who knows, maybe we revisit it, but it's looking like 2022, Kayla Stain and PFL. What are your thoughts?
1: Ah, You know, first of all, she told you like months ago, right? (laughs) She said that PFL was her, she had love for PFL. She was going to give PFL Rose. So you kind of broke it uh, a while ago, but I was actually surprised. I really thought she was going to go UFC or Bellator uh, not because, you know, PFL wasn't going to offer the most money, which I kind of figured they would because she's their biggest star, but because, you know, it's the UFC and it's Bellator and you get to fight either Nunes or Cyborg. Now, the, the smart move that PFL made was to sign Julia Budd because it's a good um, opponent for Kayla Harrison to prove herself against and to, you know, um, increase her value for the next negotiating period. Uh, uh, to which I hope is only a year away. You know, I hope she just signed like a one-year deal. You know, two is fine, but the reason I say one would be better is because Nunez and Cyborg, you know, they're not getting any younger. And what you really want when you see Harrison fight either one of these um, uh, champions is you want to see them still like in their prime-ish, right? Like you want to be able to say like, yeah, Kayla, Kayla Harrison fought them when they were still really dangerous not when they were on the downswing. And and not at all to say that because Nunez lost the Pena, that she is. You know, it's, it's clear that she just kind of, to me, it's clear that Nunez just, you know, got overwhelmed with stuff and didn't give enough attention to the, to her fighting got disinterested and she'll be back. Okay, fine. So I'm happy Harrison's getting more money because, you know, she's got extra mouths to feed. She's got, you know, her kids. And I think it gives her peace of mind. And it does help. You know, with her training, her experience, like you're gonna get better fighting the folks in PFL because let's face it, they're not as tough as Nunes, Cyborg, or even the second tier fighters in those featherweight uh, divisions. So it's probably the smartest move, but it's not what I wanted to see. Uh, we'll see it soon. We just have to wait a year, hopefully not more than two or three years, to see Harrison in the octagon or that, you know, Bellator round cage. So here we are.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I think that it's going to be one of those cases where, um, you know, they're obviously going to go all hands on deck and yeah, uh, I feel like we're going to revisit this conversation soon enough. I can't imagine it being any less than two years after all this madness. Like, and we've talked about it. You don't want to build someone up just for them to, take their stuff elsewhere. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to do this. It's because we have... It's like any of them, like Francis Ngannou, like AJ McKee. It's like, we don't want you to just rob the bank and then get away with it on technicalities. So, I think that's just exactly, well, you know, what we're going to see and what we're looking at. But, yeah, I I mean, I look forward to any chance to watch her compete. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to see... What they do with her in UFC. And I'll mm-hmm. leave it at that. Um, Natalie, what do you know about the metaverse?
1: Oh, I'm in it right now.
0: Uh, you know That's a great answer. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Mm. Anyway, so Dana White. I, I really say this because I feel like it'll get lost uh, if we wait a week on it. But he made a comment. The UFC is looking to bring an event to the much uh, publicized metaverse from facebook i believe although i'm not quite sure or i guess technically now metaverse is facebook or at least meta meta is the anyway but um long story short dana said they are looking into it experiencing essentially a ufc event in vr so you can put on the goggles and you'll be able to kind of move around and just obviously experience and watch a mixed martial arts event um, And I, I was really thinking about this. I was like, well, it's kind of like everyone in the NFT game. It's not unheard of that a company, especially one that's kind of always been on the edge of that stuff with tech, uh, would try it like the UFC to go meta-verse. But, um, <laughs> okay, so here's how I feel about it. I think that, have you seen a movie like Ready Player One?
1: oh well, i've seen parts of it so yeah but you
0: get how you're yeah. you know you're familiar with like you know when you talk about putting on the goggles yeah, yeah if i'm gonna experience a ufc for whatever price tag they may be putting on this i kind of need it to be like that you get what i'm saying i want to feel like uh, i don't want to feel like i'm moving my little avatar like on the original wii that played yeah. the tennis and the bowling and the <laughs> boxing oh, I love which that. yeah oh uh sh- Okay, fun fact, I am undefeated still in Wii <gasps> Boxing. Oh. Never lost a match on that thing. And wow. now that it's discontinued, I've, like, retired undefeated, like Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> anyway, enough about me. I, I And what I've seen from Meta, like, it's essentially kind of like that, the Wii, n- original Nintendo Wii universe. Mm-hmm. You have an avatar, and you could play games, and then it's like a chat room, and then... You know, for example, I know like they've had comedy shows in the metaverse. I saw a clip of that and I was like, okay. and then people are doing the business meetings. UFC is something I don't want any kind of limitations if I'm going to enjoy it. I'd rather watch it on the TV or the experience of it needs to be absolutely blow my mind next level because if it's just like, you know, like oh, I'm moving my avatar around and it's just like I'm watching a UFC pay-per-view through a window, I don't know if I'm going to I'm going to be jiving with that. But like I said, when I think like ready player one and I can experience UFC like that, sign me up.
1: Yeah, like put me in the cage, right? Like I want to be right there just in it and like dodging sweat And dodging punches.
0: (laughs) I at least want to feel like I'm actually at an event with the noise. I want it to feel like a 360 experience.
1: Yeah. Um, I've never tried those, you know, like Oculus Rift, whatever goggles. But, uh, uh, yeah, I've always been curious about it. And the technology is obviously advanced enough now that it's like a pretty cool experience. So, I mean, it feels a little gimmicky, but it also kind of seems like a lot of things you're going to be offering the vr experience so ufc smart to get in on it sort of early i don't know if any other sports are doing it i'm just really out of the loop on this one but uh yeah i can't disagree with you it's got to be freaking killer don't put me in the nosebleeds and like (laughs) make me really feel like i'm there for it to be a, a, a value now Ultimately, even if it's an awesome experience, like I'm still going to prefer watching it with people or at least one other person on the sofa or even by myself on the sofa looking at the TV. I don't think I'll ever be, you know, I'm old now. I don't think I'll ever be like all in on VR, but we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I just need to feel like I'm 360 experiencing like mm-hmm. a floor seat. I uh, I think that to feel like I'm just uh, like I, I watched a video like they have like a virtual bar obviously Mm -hmm. you can't drink anything because it's virtual but it's like you go to the bar and then there's like a what's it called like the comedy going on i'm like um i mean that's kind of like a zoom chat that's like a you know the og aol chat room just with like a avatar and you have the goggles on it's like Mm -hmm. uh, you know i don't want to watch my pay-per-view through a window you know i'd rather move around in the real world for that but like i said if they make it 360 holy guacamole now we're talking mm-hmm. now we got some gas you know what i mean <laughs> anyway but yeah i thought that was interesting i'm like oh my we're we we we're really going for it you know what i mean
1: oh yeah uh, he seemed pretty like in the clip that, that that you sent me um for that podcast he was like kind of chill about it, but was like, yeah, yeah, we're going. We're doing it. Like, you know, it's like a thing. Like, he was fully aware of what it was, and he was fully aware of the plans that the UFC is making. So it's not just a, you know, a line item on his agenda from, you know, a year ago or something.
0: No, for sure. I mean, I like I said, I, I hope we see that. So, hey, I want to see that on the same timeline. I want to see Francis back sooner, not later. <laughs> yeah. Just Just so we could get a review on it. Um, Quick note, uh, Glover Tashira, Jiri Prohaska, May 7th in Brazil, UFC 274. Obviously, we'll talk about the actual fight when it's closer, but um, absolutely the right move. I'm hoping they double stack it with Charles and Oliveira and Gaethje, but for sure, I like the idea of just this fight headlining, hopefully, the return to Brazil. Um love the fight love the storyline i think that glover getting a homecoming they got it right what about you
1: yeah it's beautiful you know my own uh, beautiful for him to be able to do it uh, in brazil Uh, it's a tough opponent so it's going to be a real challenge there Uh, my only i guess concern is you know it's a lot it's overwhelming for fighters to be in their hometown even though it's also exciting you know michael bisping always did great things in in england and london Uh, mcgregor had his moment in dublin and and, but then like you know most recently Derek lewis right in houston (laughs) didn't like it didn't like the pressure and uh and said he never wanted to do that again and i've heard other fighters say the same thing so uh tashara is a cool head he's a veteran he knows you know i don't think he'll let any of that stuff get to him but it is something that popped into my mind as uh you know a concern because it's real man like your home and and the pressure is different and the expectations from people you really know or don't know at all that you know hey get me in on the uh get me in to watch the fight all that stuff everybody wants a piece of you so it's just like an extra thing you got to contend with and for his first title defense i would have rather preferred uh, a little more peace a uh, peaceful setting for the guy but we'll see
0: I think also it's the return to Brazil. Like, respectfully, I mean, even Jorge Masvidal with uh, the um, Vice Star Arena Jacksonville, it wasn't yeah. like a Miami stadium. Right. I think that that was one. Uh, Derek Lewis, he was not the first main event. Back in Texas, he was the second. This one, Brazil hasn't had people since 2019 for UFC. Remember, yeah. even when they did Oliveira and Kevin Lee, they had to take the fans out of that at the last minute. Yep. Yep. You know, it, it, I don't need to remind you. We were we talked about that, but um, yeah. So I think that this vibe, you're very right. It's a great fight, but there's gonna be a lot more on Glover than really. I think even the times when he fought guys like John Jones or even last year in Abu Dhabi against Blažević. So I think that's gonna be quite something for him for sure. But I also am looking forward to seeing him walk out there and the reception he gets.
1: Oh man, it's gonna be bananas. it will
0: be beautiful, yeah oh my gosh i'm so glad we have mma to talk about because now (laughs) i just want to get to that but this saturday return of bellator for 2022 and they're going to arizona with a very interesting main event the title unifier for the heavyweight strap ryan bader taking on interim champion Valentin moldovsky you'll remember ryan bader was doing his thing the 205 grand prix lost when was that fight i believe it was around october to cory anderson comes back up moldovsky's been on a roll and most recently uh, routed tim johnson to win the title moldovsky trains with the likes of bellator champ vadim nemkov i want yeah fedor milinenko i don't know i want to say euroslav the welterweight champion might be associated with them too but i don't want to just generalize and all the Russian champions train with each other, but for <laughs> sure he trains with Nemkov and Fedor. Um, look, I mean, Ryan Bader, when he's on, he's obviously a very talented guy, very multifaceted. He has two great weapons. He has his, uh, you know, his boxing in his hands and he has his uh, takedowns when he's getting going. I think the biggest thing is the physicality. Moldovsky's going to be a lot bigger. Even though Ryan Bader, look, by design, you know, he's never been trying to bulk up and all that and get to Francis Ngannou's size. Uh But talking about the fight, I think that the real key is going to be him actually utilizing that size and him getting in and out. Because he's not going to be able to just steamroll Moldovsky like he did, uh, you know, Fedor, Matt Mitrione, King Mo, and when he was doing the Grand Prix a couple years ago. I think that you're going to have to be patient and you're going to have to be very disciplined with your defense because I think the biggest thing is you just don't want to leave. You don't want to stay in one spot where Moldovsky can then start pushing you down and get his momentum behind him. So I think it's about Ryan Bader moving. If you're Moldovsky, the more time you can spend in close quarters, the better it is for you. And obviously you get on top of Ryan that's probably your easiest path to victory.
1: Yeah, man, this is a this is a, a you know a pivotal time for Ryan Bader. He had a great run and Bellator, was a double champ at one point, and it was like a beautiful thing. And he had three belts on because there's a Grand P- Prix belt plus the other two. It's been a little bit of a tough, a rough patch here, but this is a big one. Like, what happens if 38 year old Ryan Bader, you know? comes out on the on the losing end here, you know, he'll still be fighting for, obviously, for Bellator for a while longer, but this could sort of be, you know, the beginning of uh, looking into, you know, retirement. The the, uh, the door, looking at the retirement door and, thing, and asking yourself, is it time yet? I'm not sure. Is it time yet? Um, yeah, I mean, you laid out uh, Bader's assets, and Moldovsky, look, I don't know a whole lot about him, but I do know that training with who he's training with and just in general right now, like the MMA fighters coming out of Russia, they're just killing it. They have this like sneaky strength. It's like they have like big muscles and tiny muscles that you can't see. And once they get somebody down, it's over. I mean, just think about uh, Nurmagomedov yesterday, Said Nurmagomedov, right? Like the way he he just like dismantled Cody Staman was incredible. It was so fast, so easy, so, so slick. And so I'm sort of expecting to see something similar here with Moldovsky. I think he's going to be able to get Vader down and, and submit him. And so I think he's going to uh, uh, finish him via submission round three.
0: Actually, I'm thinking more TKO. I, I think just the physicality. Um, behind Moldovsky. Also, by the way, I, I looked it up. My apologies. Uh, Mr. Amosov is from the Ukraine and trains oh. out of American top team. Oh, My apologies. Yeah. But, terrible. um, <laughs> sir, you are still kicking butt. I, I apologize. You, you know, very underrated. I'm looking forward to him fighting MVP in London, by the way. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about that, but that's coming up this month. No. couple months out. They do go back to Ireland, but, yeah, that's another good one. But back to Moldovsky. Um. Yeah. The physicality. I think that. Um. I think that they've had a lot of time to see what's worked against Ryan Bader in recent years, and I know that you know that inside scoop a little bit from Nemkov, but I think also just at the end of the day that I think that Ryan is in an odd spot in his career. I do feel like he's coming back a little soon, and while he still has a lot of the tools, I don't think he's necessarily slowing down. I do wonder if a bit of that confidence and maybe durability might be starting to catch up to him a little bit at this stage. And I say that respectfully. Remember, he obviously had a resurgence like no other, wins the title, defending his belt, things like that. So I do think that it is a very interesting time. But I do think that Moldovsky just has all the tools and is stylistically a bad matchup. I think he's just going to break down Ryan over time get on top of them and get the finish land some shots i like it yeah so there we go um i don't want to break it down we obviously have another fight on friday that's probably going to get a lot of attention over the next few days with no ufc and that's finally the i don't want to say the debut because it's not they've had 43 events already but the relaunch for habib's eagle fc it's going to be Eagle FC 44 Friday in Miami at the Flex Arena. And I, we talked about this uh, several weeks ago before the holiday. In your opinion, what is a successful night for Eagle FC this week? Because you have Tyron Spong, you know, a kickboxing legend, taking on Bellator vet Sergey Karatonov. Then you have Hall of Famer Rashad Evans returning after several years to take on LFA veteran Gabriel Checo. What, what makes this a successful night in your opinion for Eagle FC? Well,
1: you know, do you mean from a ratings perspective or just
0: however you want to dissect it? Okay. Like, what's well, a oh my god? Like when Triller had a great night or when PFL had a great yeah, night, yeah. it was like oh, that's exactly what they need.
1: The way it works right now, you know, the, the the way you have a great night, I see the metrics are, you know, do you have highlight real worthy stuff? You know, is there a knockout or a finish or a moment, you know, on the mic, uh in the cage, something, some cool move. That's what they need. They need something spectacular from uh one of their fights, at least one or two of their fights that they can they can blast uh to all the media, to the social media, all that stuff. And then when I'm looking at Rashad Evans, what you don't want is for him to look bad. You don't want it to look like he so you know either he looks great, he has a a great fight, Uh, even if he doesn't win, it's like it's like a well matched back and forth. What you don't want to see is for him to get you know owned, embarrassed, um, so that so that you end up having bad, bad storylines about, oh, the matchmaking at Eagle FC, you know, they're just bringing in these veterans for the name. They're not considering their, you know, their abilities, if they can still do it. You don't want that conversation like you had with Triller after Vander Holyfield. You don't want that. You don't want that stank on your on your fight. So some highlight reels and a good showing for Rashad
0: Yeah, I, I think that to me, it's all about accessibility and presentation, I'm going to respectfully say that as much as I want to see these guys perform well, the roster itself, it, it's almost secondary because at the end of the day, like we said, we're competing with so much MMA, UFC, Bellator, LFA, Invicta. You know, if I didn't say PFL, I want to say it again. It's just so much. And respectfully, I mean, if you look at this roster, I mean, uh, I'm going to they have Loik, who is just in the finals, I believe, for the PFL. He's on the undercard. You have a couple other um, guys, I believe, who are free agents. Obviously, you've got um, Rashad and some more noticeable names. All of that blends together well. I think at the end of the day, you're going to have on par in the cage about as good of a night as you usually do when you watch a PFL, Bellator, even like a, you know, lower tier UFC fight night. You have a lot of not a lot of people that are like, oh, you know. This is the biggest name outside of the UFC. But you have a respectable amount of talent, considering how, quote-unquote, new it's going to be. To me, I think that everyone is going to lead with their best foot forward. I know they have a solid broadcast team. They got Felicia Spencer and Henry Cejudo, Ray Flores, who does the thriller commentary. You have all the pieces. I think when we get to Friday night, first off this week, they got to make sure everybody gets the message. We're on Friday. Yeah. Secondly, you need to make sure it's accessible. You need to make sure that it's like, hey, where do I watch this? Click here, this, this, and I'm watching fights. And there's no buffering. There's no uh, what's up with the stream, what's up with the cameras. All of that has to be on point. You do that. I think that's going to be the best thing you could do because whatever happens in the cage is going to happen. Like you said, you want everyone to look good, especially if you're signing older veterans who haven't been in there in a while like Rashad and Tyrone. But at the end of the day, everything's got to be accessible because no matter what happens, you at least want people to be like, oh, you know, easy to watch. I can enjoy it. The second we start getting to too many steps or paywalls when it's brand new like this, quote unquote. That's where they run into issues. So I think that as long as it's accessible and they promote it well, whatever happens in the cage is going to be secondary because it's going to be a marathon, not a sprint for them to grow.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, where are they? Where can we watch this? Is this a bypass? So
0: or? if you, uh, I know they have an app. It's FlexCast, FLX. And then I want to say that you should be able to watch it on their website. I believe because we looked for it and I don't think their app works on an Android. Mm-hmm. I, wait, no, it does. We we found it after a while. But the fact is um, they have an app and I believe it'll be the website. Mm. So very simple for 2022 to be able to watch a UFC event or sorry, MMA event like that. Um, but, you know, so like I said, get the word out, you know, click, click, click. We're on. I so. mean,
1: yeah. For sure, that if it starts to get tricky, then there goes your uh, then suddenly it's like, watch.
0: yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll wait for some, uh, I'll wait for UFC to come back next week. Mm-hmm. You don't want that, you want everything because I'll say this I, I, I've told you before, everything looks cool. They got this all white cage that you could already imagine being just splashed with bright crimson blood, you know, that's very violent. But I, I'm assuming a lot of y'all watch watched Game of Thrones. Same thing. You know it's going to be beautiful violence when they get in that cage, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the pieces are there. I just want to see if they execute it well. And I think they will. But once again, it's all... How is it when we actually get to fight night? And there we are. Okay. Yeah. And Natalie, next week, the return of Mr. Sean Strickland. Taking on Jack Hermanson. I'm going to just say this sean strickland is a very entertaining fighter i am more i don't want to say the same for his for his interviews but i'd be lying to you if i'm not intrigued to see if he can outdo himself when he starts talking does that make sense yeah yeah i think so <laughs> and then jack hermanson's a tough dude great ground game like watching just a very exciting fighter too very well-rounded guy i think it's a solid fight what are your thoughts as we head out
1: yeah it's it's exciting i'm I'm looking forward to Sean Strickland too um you know he was supposed to fight Luke Rockhole that fell through and so it's good to see him uh rebooked and uh yeah ready to go
0: also I believe five four five fight win streak wins another one suddenly we're having that conversation about those guys with like what Whitaker and Adesanya. so high stakes involved, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we'll recap the action next week. we will preview the action next week. Until then, take care, have a good one, enjoy the fights.